Yo, welcome to the bonus episode. And I just had to get this one out because this is the one thing you're going to do in LA this week. And I'll be honest with you. This is something I do probably every three or four months because it's probably the most awe-inspiring creation that I know of in Los Angeles. And it's centrally located and it's free. And it's something that I like to do because the entire experience really is just jaw-dropping and dare I say spiritual, okay? It's maybe even got religious under, it does have religious undertones, but as you know, I'm not a religious man. I'm a spiritual man, but this is something that's really fun, memorable, and an indelible part of Los Angeles that's so underappreciated. So let me tell you, this is your one thing to do in LA this week. You're going to go to Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale. Okay, I'm telling you to go to a cemetery, right? Why? That's an odd thing to tell somebody to do. But listen, it is a great place to visit. There's a museum. There's churches. There's art, architecture, beautiful views of the city. It's right there on a hill. You could see 360 degrees. But in that cemetery, there's something called the Hall of Crucifixion. Okay, I told you I'm not a religious man. But what's inside the Hall of Crucifixion is the largest religious painting ever painted. And you got to hear the story of this. It's not just the painting. It's the story that really makes this thing. And after you hear this story, you are going to tell your friend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your dog. You're going to be like, let's go. Okay? So this painting, the Crucifixion, this was a six-year project. Completed by Polish artist Jan Stika. And he began in 1894 after he traveled to Jerusalem. And he finished the painting in Poland. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not religious. I'm not pro any religion, anti any religion. This is something that that features Jesus Christ. Um, But the thing is the story about this painting and the final creation is literally amazing. It's 195 feet long, 45 feet high. That's about the width of a four-lane highway, okay? This thing is massive. And Stika's panoramic crucifixion, it depicts the moment just before Jesus was crucified. And the detail on this thing is magnificent. And on that scale, this took six years of work by a master painter. This is like Sistine Chapel-esque. But again, it's the story that really makes this thing. How did a Polish artist who started in Jerusalem went to Rome in between his painting was finished in Poland? How did it end up in Glendale at Forest Lawn Cemetery? Well, I'm glad you asked because let me tell you. Jan Stika was close friends with Ignacy Paderewski. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. You guys know my pronunciation is terrible. English, Spanish, and everything in between. But Paderewski was the prime minister of Poland at the time, 1890s. One day, the prime minister told Stika that he had a dream. Okay? So the prime minister tells Stika, he says, I had a dream about Christ's execution. And Stika was so inspired by the prime minister's dream that he offered to paint the largest painting in the world, the crucifixion, to commemorate this dream. So now Stika didn't just go to work. Like I said, he traveled to Jerusalem, the the holiest place in the entire world, to prepare the sketches. 
But even before he got to work, he went to Rome because he had to talk to the Pope. And again, we're telling you, Stika is a very accomplished painter. And I'm going to get to what happened to his artwork and why maybe you haven't heard of him the way you could, you should have. Or the, the way that all of us should have. And that is interesting in itself. He went to the Rome to talk to Pope Leo XIII to get his blessing on the sketches and on his palette. Pope gave him the blessing, said it looks great. So Stika went to work. Six years of toiling. All kinds of materials, canvases. I mean, how do you even start with something that's 195 feet by 45 feet? But in six years, he finished the painting. Now he's all done with this masterpiece. But how do you display a painting that's as tall as a four-lane highway? Okay? He finally found one way to show it in Russia in 1902 where it was met with acclaim. And people were, again, they were awestruck. This thing is magnificent. It's brilliant. It's detailed. It's humongous. But he couldn't show it. There's not many places you can display a 195 by 45 foot painting. So in 1904, a new opportunity arose. Stika received an invitation to display the painting at the St. Louis World Fair. Yeah, in Missouri. And don't forget, the World Fairs were a big, big deal. This is where like ice cream was first shown to the world. Hot dogs were first shown to the world. Art, projects, all kinds of things. World's Fair, there was no internet. Sure, there were newspapers. News traveled slowly. So the World's Fair was like the, the first trade show where you, everybody, every city, every place shows off their goods and shows off their wares. So he got an invite to display this painting at the World Fair. Big opportunity in America. So he jumped at the opportunity. And he figured that this rapidly developing country, the United States, would be the perfect place, not just to show off the crucifixion, but he wanted to show off all of his other artwork. This man was a renowned painter across the Atlantic Ocean. So he loaded the crucifixion and all of his other works onto a boat, and he came to America. But here's where the story takes a very, very tragic turn. The organizers assured him that the exhibit halls were large enough to accommodate his painting. But they miscalculated. There wasn't even one room. There wasn't one hall that was big enough. So Stika gets off the boat in New York. And they're like, hey, man, don't, don't bother bringing that thing to St. Louis. You can bring all your other work, but you're going to have to leave the crucifixion, the big painting, into a warehouse in New York. And by the way, I should have mentioned this. The way he even traveled with the painting that big, he wrapped it around a telephone pole. That's how big this painting, imagine that. You know, you like, you have a painting, you, you roll it up all carefully into one of those tubes. There are no tubes that are 195, that can fit an 195 by 45 foot painting. So you had it around a p telephone pole and they said, listen, leave that thing in the warehouse. You still go to the World Fair, show off all your other stuff. So he was sad, but he's like, you know what? Still a great opportunity. Went to St. Louis, figured the audience was at least enjoy his other paintings and they did because he was a gifted painter but on the last day of the exhibition at the world fair listen to this there was a fire and the fire happened to be in the building where all of his other works were displayed and every single one was engulfed in flames and destroyed can you imagine that all your life's work gone in a foreign country where you didn't even get to show off your masterpiece, which was really the reason why you were there. And this was at least a consolation prize. And now that's gone. But, but 
At least the crucifixion survived, okay? So he was dejected, but not defeated. Stika went back to New York to retrieve the crucifixion, his masterpiece. And he tried to take that back to Poland. But he couldn't afford to pay the customs fees. Can you imagine how expensive it would be back then, especially to ship something, a telephone pole, essentially? So he couldn't afford the fees. He had nobody to pay it for him. And the American government seized the painting. And despite repeated attempts to retrieve his work, Stika had to go back home empty-hearted and heartbroken. And Stika died in 1925 without ever seeing that painting again. And neither would anyone else. Until 1944, when Dr. Hubert Eaton, who was the founder of Forest Lawn Cemetery, heard about the existence of this massive masterpiece. Eaton was intrigued by the story. And he began a lengthy search. He was sleuthing. He hired people to try to find this thing. Where would it be? Let's go to that New York warehouse. Let's find it. And he began a lengthy search to attempt to recover it. But they couldn't find it. It was nowhere in New York. Definitely wasn't in that warehouse anymore. I mean, we're talking at this point 40 years later. 19 years after Steak even died. And during those 40 years of the pilgrimage of the painting, it changed hands many times. Somehow ended up in the basement of the Chicago Civic Opera Company where it laid abandoned for at least two decades as part of old stage decor. Can you imagine that? Somebody some point found that humongous painting was like, yeah, I don't know what this is. Let's put it in the background. Let's do a play and base it around this painting like without knowing the capacity. But Eaton figured it out. And he rescued it. He purchased it from the Chicago Civic Opera Company. And he built a permanent display for it. In a new building at his Forest Lawn Cemetery, the Hall of Crucifixion. Right here in Glendale, California. And that's where it's been ever since the Hall of Crucifixion has been built. And it's now displayed. In this 900-seat auditorium, which is beautiful, it's really a first-class venue. It's wide. It's probably maybe 20 rows deep, but I don't know, 100 yards wide, and it's contoured to the painting. You get sound. You have good light. You can sit. You can enter. It's free. Again, it is free. And while you're there, go check out the rest of the cemetery because it's basically a living art museum. And I know like going to a cemetery, oh, that's macabre. But the architecture there is beautiful and it is one of the most important cemeteries in Los Angeles. But the centerpiece is this hall of crucifixion where you can sit and just look and walk and go up to, not touch it. Don't touch it. Please don't touch it. But you could get close and take pictures of it. And they have... Some of Stika's old materials, the paint, some brushes that he used. There's a little in the in the on one of the sides of the hall. There's a, an homage to him and a, a painting of him, a portrait of him and a portrait of the Polish prime minister and even a mini version of the painting to sort of explain everything that's going on. But again, it's masterful. It's wonderful. The detail is insane. 
And in one last twist of events in 1959, Hubert Eaton arranged with Stika's family for his remains to be brought for internment at Forest Lawn Cemetery. And you can see that too when you go see the crucifixion this week because that is one heck of a story and one awesome thing to do in L.A. this week. All right, y'all. It's been a minute. Hope you enjoyed the bonus episode.